1: before we begin, I would just ask if you have a cell phone or electronic device that might interrupt at some point, if you could please turn it to silent mode. Thank you. Welcome. My name is Dana Lynn Seaborn. I'm a lay chaplain from Capital Unitarian Universalist Congregation here in James Bay, uh, where Mavis was a longtime member. I'd like to invite Alan Dawson to come forward and light the chalice. May the light we now kindle illuminate our search for understanding, for meaning, for comfort, and for peace. We are here today to mourn the death and celebrate the life of Mavis Butlin. Many feelings can arise at a time like this. All feelings are welcome and valid. We may be feeling sorrow, anger, tenderness. Our feelings may be so confused that they're difficult to put a name to. We may come from different religious traditions and beliefs. We may know Mavis in different roles, mother, grandmother, neighbor, friend. But we've come together today to mourn her loss, to celebrate her life, and to support one another. For we are connected, one to another, by the profound experience of life and loss. This experience is difficult to put into words, so perhaps we can share this image from the Buddhist Lotus Sutra. Thus shall you think of all this fleeting world, a star at dawn, a bubble in a stream, a flash of lightning in a summer cloud, A
0: flickering lamp, a phantom, and a dream. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
1: Mavis is survived by her daughters, Norma and Pauline, her foster daughter, Debbie, six grandchildren, and 15 great-grandchildren. Her daughter, Norma, will now share some stories and memories of our dear Mavis.
2: Pauline Jeanette Butlin, PJ for short, was born in 1921 in London, England, the second of four children in a musical and artistic family. She was a very athletic young woman with dreams of going to university and becoming a gymnastics teacher. However, when she was only 18, World War II began, which drastically changed the course of her life along with that of many others. The family London home was destroyed in 1939 by German bombs, and most of her family relocated to Stafford in the Midlands. But she decided to join up in the Women's Royal Naval Service, the RANDS. She was trained as a radio and radar mechanic, and worked as a repair technician for the Navy planes, returning from missions. Canada supported Britain in the war effort, and Mavis met the love of her life and her future husband, a tall, blonde Canadian lieutenant, Robert Murray Brown, while playing field hockey during some time off. He became her commanding officer, and they stayed together for four years at various air stations all over England. This was a bit unorthodox, as couples were always separated. But Bob was a superb wrangler, and every time a Rens officer tried to have Mavis moved, Bob would send a signal to HQ that Mavis was a key rating and could not be moved. (laughs) (laughs) Mavis and Bob were married in Stafford in 1945. He was discharged from the Navy to Canada and in 1946, she followed him on the Queen Mary with thousands of other war brides. She had two babies in Quebec, me in 47 and Pauline in 49. And much later on, the family moved from Montreal to Ottawa. Life was very active, revolving around the family, the United Church, the tennis courts, Bob was part of the Davis Cup team, camping, skiing, swimming, and a huge garden. Bob passed away in October of 1986, so she's been without him for some 30 years. Mavis moved to Guelph to be close to some warwide friends and Paula's family, living there until I convinced her to come to Victoria in 2003. Mavis was a proud Brit and established rituals and traditions in our house, which had come from her family, I think. One was early morning tea. At night, a tray was brought up to their bedroom with a kettle of water, service of milk, and mugs. Close to dawn, she made tea without getting out of bed. (laughs) And a bit later, hot streaming mugs and a good morning woke up Paula and I. But if we were camping or vacationing by a body of water, the early morning tea ritual was preceded by the mandatory early morning swim. <laughs> Diving into the shock of freezing water, swimming out with her, and then back to my dad,
3: who wrapped us in towels. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky
2: just about anywhere.
4: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
5: Sorry. Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And gave us the tea. Sunday <laughs> lunch was most often roast beef and Yorkshire pudding roast potatoes, and Brussels sprouts, which I hated. (laughs) Later, she became a vegetarian, so that menu ended. But the tradition of her English trifle, a dessert, layers of cake and custard, topped with whipped cream, decorated with nuts and cherries, was her signature dish, brought in a huge cut glass bowl to so many events, like parties and potlucks. I know many of you have tasted that one (laughs) right? Mavis loved the Queen and her outfits and her hats, especially her message on Christmas Day. Before videos, we used to assemble to listen to her on the radio, standing for God save the Queen. We had to listen to her speech, and then, and only then, could we open our Christmas presents. (laughs) Mavis also loved elephants. If something had an elephant on it, or was a replica in wood or china or metal, trunk up means it's friendly. That made a present for her, and she accumulated herds and herds of elephants (laughs) over the years, only outnumbered by her collection of earrings, long dangling ones her trademark finish to an outfit. Although Mavis was a devoted grandmother of six and great-grandmother to fifteen, she also made a a network of friends, usually fellow participants in her myriad of activities, round dancing, skiing, tennis, badminton, cycling, table tennis, etc. She and my dad cared for a number of foster children and several of those have remained part of her life to the end. She loved swimming, became a certified Red Cross instructor in Ottawa, and taught swimming to disabled children, and to senior women, including Eileen Kretin, wife of the PM Drunkenkin. She took acting courses and had great fun singing and dancing in musical theatre. One highlight was being Anna in The King and I, for which was made a fantastic pink ball gown with a wide hoop skirt for the shall we dance number. (laughs) At 76, she trained and had a modeling career as a senior, and you can see part of her portfolio in the reception hall. Her enthusiasm and support got me going at a young age, in skiing races, in gymnastics, in tap dancing, and in ballet. She was a fearless sewer and had to produce all sorts of fluffy ballet tutus and various costumes for all my (coughs) recitals. Going to productions by professional dance companies, especially with live music, was something we loved to share together, from grade school, right through to Dance Victoria shows here in the past few years. Mavis also sewed canvas tents, for which my dad made the patents, for our many camping trips. Never without some knitting on the needles, she kept all the extended family kids in graphic sweaters. She also knitted this pink suit uh, that I'm proud to wear today. In 1984, she was awarded the prestigious Ontario Bicentennial Medal for her volunteer work, and in 1988, a Government of Canada Certificate of Merit for service to her community. In June of 1991, she opened her home in Guelph to a refugee family from Afghanistan with three school-aged children. For about nine months until the head of their family acquired a job and the family could move to their own place. She enjoyed traveling through North America in her RV and often took a grandchild along. When it was during school time, she made sure they documented these trips with properly labelled photos and daily diaries for their post-trip reports. She travelled in Europe, Israel, Jordan and Turkey with adult groups, tracing biblical sites. She herself carefully produced close to 20 photo albums of her many friends and exploits, almost all labelled and identified. Oh, I a lot of work, <laughs> but fun to grow When she arrived in Victoria in 2003 at age 82, true to farm, she engaged in all sorts of sporting and community activities and began a lasting relationship with the Capital Unitarian Universalist Congregation. She made many friends and had meetings and games nights in her James Bay apartment on Dallas Road. She had written a first book of memoirs in her 80th year and joined the Scriveners and eventually produced her second book, Encore Mavis, in 2006. In her 80s, she did a lot with her computer and email, helped on numerous occasions by her more proficient grandkids, especially my son Carlos, who very gently and patiently Solved her technical problems. <laughs> in 2011, I helped her organize her 90th birthday party, where the guest list included her friends from the building, the folk from her CUUC congregation, the tennis people, the Knitters Guild, the strippers, Ahmed's exercise group, the choir, etc. etc. We gathered at multiple tables in a large room in her building and had a noisy, lively evening of card games, birthday cake, and tea. When her best friends had died or moved away from Dallas Road for various reasons, and after she had a debilitating heart attack at age 92, she moved to the Victorian on Felton Road, which is just across Lambert Park from our home. She had a lovely suite overlooking the surrounding gardens where she walked most days, and she now enjoyed having more things done for her, like meals prepared and served in the dining room in the company of new friends, live entertainment and activities in-house, and organized bus trips. Wherever she had lived, it was of major importance to her to participate in many activities and to build a network of friends. However, her mobility and energy were much reduced after the latest heart attack, and now she spent more time in reflective activities, like writing and discussion groups. From the time they met, Mavis and my husband, Carlos, have always been friends, but became much closer in these last six months. He would phone her every day at seven to say he was coming over to help her get her day started. He made her tea. He made her bed. He gave her her meds. And they chatted, sometimes over breakfast. Then he helped her get her shoes on so she could walk onward. She very much appreciated his care and banter. I miss her my own energizer bunny. In my life, she has always been such a positive, supportive, loving force, whether distant or nearby. Thinking of that smile that used to light up her face when she looked my way keeps renewing that motivating energy. Stay curious and do something while you can that I can feel as an enduring gift from her thank you ma I would like to end with an excerpt from her book entitled There Comes a Time I oh, about six elephants on here <laughs> There comes a time that time comes when not only do you realize that you're no longer the best but no one even remembers that you ever were.
4: <laughs>
2: Gone are the days when you could dance and dance, never ever feeling tired, feet not even grumbling, and figure not suggesting anything but life elegance. When was it that tennis was so rewarding? The wicked, sure and fast backhand volley were expected and commented upon. Is it better to give up the game or accept the downstepping? It is not easy to realize gracefully that you will never again swim the best, sing the sweetest, remember the words of all the songs, pick up the dance, dance, pack dance steps the quickest. Perhaps it's easier to give up than gradually to have to swallow the fact that excellence is not the order of the day. What is the compensation for all this wrinkled, stooped, grayness, failing eyesight and wavery steps. Just sureness within that you have run the race to the best of your ability at the time, that all the struggles and competitiveness do not really matter, a quietness of soul that at last does not need to do anything to be appreciated. Just the fact of being shouts louder than deeds that a life has been well lived thank you
1: thank you so much for that moment. probably lovely stories of Mavis and things that many of us hadn't I hadn't known before, I didn't realize that, I knew she liked elephants, but I didn't realize she had quite the <laughs> herbs. <laughs> I didn't of herds. <clears throat> I'd like to invite a, a couple of uh, Mavis' friends from the uh, CUUC congregation at Elizabeth.
3: so glad to see everyone here. <clears throat> Mavis Mavis I shall always remember you as a small vivacious no-nonsense person originally from England. later, I enjoyed the stories you could tell us about working for Naval Air Force during the uh, Second World War in England. I remember your probing questions about Capital Unitarian Universalist Congregation. We were attempting to follow the labyrinth path in the grass in Irwin Park, near the place we meet. Later, I learned that you know about pitching in to grow and maintain a healthy community and how much you loved us all. This you showed in many ways and with probably hear more people mention different things that you did in the car car ride here. We were already mentioning many things and how much we'll miss your activities. Then, in 2006, you gave us a copy of the book you had written. And uh, so, I then asked you to help edit a book I was writing. You gave it a good looking over, and I learned a lot from you. Thank you, Mavis, for everything.
5: So many stories to share about Mavis, but I'll try and keep it brief. Mavis felt like Lazarus to me because I'm the one that sent out the email after her catastrophic heart attack. I had had the news that Mavis had died many years ago, and I sent out the news to the congregation saying Mavis had died. And then we found out that she hadn't, and I corrected that. But imagine my reluctance. To get on the telephone with Mavis and say, Mavis, I am the one that told everyone that you had died. And she laughed and she laughed and it was our joke that you carried on laughing about pretty much every time she saw me. We had so many parts of our lives that intersected. Our love of doing handicrafts, our love of baking, our love of music, our love of sports, I'm particularly mindful of the time we had a cabaret years ago. People remember Mavis and her fabulous hat and her dance she did for the cabaret. She's astonishing, what an incredible woman. But I think two things really sit with me. I'm a member of our Sunday Service Committee and those meetings can go on and it, it is a secret I have not told anyone that for the four years that Mavis hosted those meetings, I only went for her delicious squares. (laughs) Oh, could she make the most amazing squares, and I have her recipe, if anyone would like some. A couple of years ago, Mavis was sitting at the Sunday service, waiting for it to start, and I plonked myself down, and, hello, Mavis, how are you? And she turned her head and looked at me and said, Amanda, do you not know that you do not ask someone in their 90s how they are. <laughs> well, I was really taken aback and I thought, that is probably one of my biggest life lessons around how to connect with seniors. That's the last question you ever ask. And so we unpacked that over the course of weeks and months. Just goes to show that she constantly taught and gave what a full, wonderful heart she had how much she gave every single one of us in this room. Mavis, you are so loved. You'll be so missed.
1: Thank you so much, Elizabeth and anyone for sharing these lovely memories of Mavis. I too have a few happy memories of Tennis table games, and badminton games, and scramble patients, and squares. <laughs> squares were good. Helen Keller said, What we have once enjoyed, we can never lose. All that we love deeply becomes a part of us. In a relay race, as one runner, exhausted, finishes their race, They give the baton to the next runner who waits, hand open, for the gift to be passed on. Then that runner carries it forward to give to the next person. In the same way, the courage and commitment, the laughter and love of our beloved dead are passed on to us. Their lives enrich our own, and through us, everyone we touch. In a very real sense, we ourselves embody the gifts of our loved ones. In a very real sense, as we remember them, we are their legacy. Let us take a few minutes now to remember Mavis and to consider her legacy, each in our own way, after a few moments of silence we will hear a recording of one of Mavis's favorite songs a around on stage with that uh, for that song. Yeah. The mystic Rumi says, We come spinning out of nothingness, scattering stars like dust. The stars form a circle, and in the middle we dance. Mm-hmm. May this ask that beat following poem by Rupert Brooke. Be read at her service. Okay.
2: If I should die, think only this of me, that there's some corner of a foreign field that is forever England. There shall be in that rich earth a richer, richer earth, a richer dust concealed, a dust whom England bore shaped, made aware, gave once her fathers to love, her ways to roam, a body of England's, breathing British air, washed by the rivers, blessed by the sons of home. And think, this heart, all evil shed away, a pulse in the eternal mind no less, give somewhere back the thoughts by England given, her sights and sounds, dream, happy as her day, and laughter learned to friends, and gentleness, in hearts at peace, under an English heaven. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> out of the stars in their flight, out of the dust of eternity, here we have come, spinning out of nothing scattering stars like dust. We are earth, we are air, we are fire, we are water, we are space. Let us go remembering to live and love in each moment of the dance that is our lives. Please be welcome to stay for the reception. Thank you.